Many years ago, Pastor Pierce Harris of First Methodist Church in Atlanta, Georgia, he went to a prison to preach to the inmates there. But before he did, one of the inmates stood up to introduce him. And this is what he said. The prisoner said, Several years ago, two boys lived in a town in North Georgia. Now they went to the same school. They played together at recess. They attended the same Sunday school. But one of those boys dropped out of Sunday school. He said that that was just a bunch of sissy stuff. The other boy kept on going. One of those boys rejected Jesus Christ. The other boy accepted Him as a Savior. He said, the boy who rejected Jesus Christ is the one standing in front of you making this introduction today. And the boy who accepted Jesus Christ is the honored preacher who's about to speak to us today. I share this story because the decision these men made about Jesus early in their lives, that decision mattered. In fact, their decisions ultimately resulted in the paths that they took. And the result was freedom for one and bondage for the other. Now, this doesn't mean that every person who rejects Jesus Christ will end up in prison. But the truth is, every person who rejects Jesus Christ remains in bondage to sin and headed for an eternity apart from Him. In this life, everyone must decide whether or not they will follow Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can save us from sin and hell and give us eternal life. That's why the best choice you will ever make is to give your life to Jesus. I pray that everyone here today has made that decision. If you haven't, then I pray that you make that decision before you leave today. And for those of us who have given our lives to follow Jesus, the question we need to ask today is, are we following Him every day? Well, you've given your life to Christ, and that's, that's good. But do you give each day to Him? To so live for Him, to serve Him, obey Him, to make Him the ruler of your life. You see, as Christians, every day we need to make the choice to follow Jesus. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying that every day we need to get saved again. No, once we're saved, we're always saved. What I mean is that each day we him be the one who calls the shots in our lives. You see, church, if we don't follow Him, we'll fall. We'll fall into sin and idolatry and the consequences for these things. Sadly, there are a lot of Christians who think that uh, because they're on board with Jesus, that's really all that they need to do. But if you get on board a boat and never pick up a paddle, you're just going to drift wherever the stream takes you and you'll never get where you need to go. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians have given their life to Christ, and now they're just drifting through life, wherever it takes them. They're not growing any closer to their Savior or stronger in their faith. They've lost out on what it really means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. But my prayer is that all of us would make a better choice to follow Jesus every single day. It's what Joshua wanted for the Israelites. Joshua wanted the Israelites to follow God every single day. We're going to see that together as we finish our series in the book of Joshua this morning by turning to Joshua chapter 24. So if you have your Bible, I'd encourage you to go ahead and turn there so you can follow along. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can use one of those Bibles under the seats in front of you. If you'd like to use one of those, you can turn to page 188. Page 188, Joshua chapter 24. And what we're going to see is we're going to see how Joshua, this man of God, he desperately wanted to be sure that Israel didn't so easily abandon the God who had done great things for them. 
In fact, some of Joshua's words are going to be familiar to many of us, and I hope that they will be applied by all of us. So let's look together. Joshua 24, beginning in verse 1, says this. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. All right, let's just stop here for just a second. I want to point something out. We'll pick right back up. I want to point out for a moment that Joshua is giving Israel a message from God. And God goes back to the beginning, all the way back to Abraham. That's because God wanted Israel to remember where they came from. You see, before God called Abraham and set him apart to be the forerunner of this great nation Israel, Abraham was living in Ur among the pagans. Well, he lived in a land filled with idol worshipers, far from God. Their hearts were filled with sin. Seems that Abraham himself was a lost man before God plucked him out of obscurity and called him to be a follower of the one true God. See, Israel needed to remember where they came from. And believers, let's never forget where we have come from. Each of us were once lost sinners, separated from God, walking on that wide path of life that leads to destruction. We were idol worshipers, chasing after sin and pleasure until that day came when we heard the truth of the gospel, we gave our lives to Jesus Christ, the greatest decision of our lives. That's when we were rescued. We became a part of the people of God. Church, never forget where you came from and what you were rescued from. God continued and he said this. He said, I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. When I brought your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help, and He put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the wilderness a long time. I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and you took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I wouldn't listen to Balaam, so he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, and Jebusites. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, also the two Amorite kings. You didn't do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities which you did not build, and you live in them, and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not 
plant. Now, I wanted to read that section in its entirety because I want us to notice all the things that God did for Israel. God gave descendants to Abraham. Now, keep in mind that Abraham, when he received his son Isaac, was an old man. His wife was barren. That was a miracle. Don't lose sight of that. Later, Abraham's descendants went to Egypt where they were enslaved by harsh and bloodthirsty pharaohs. But God rescued the Israelites from slavery. After leading them into the wilderness, God provided for Israel, gave them food and water. Their clothes, their sandals didn't wear out. The nations around them couldn't defeat them or even curse them because Israel's God was with them. God fought for them, gave them military victory wherever they went, the east and the west of the Jordan. Finally, God gifted to Israel this plentiful land. They received houses they didn't have to build, cities they didn't have to toil over, vineyards and olive groves they didn't have to plant. God wanted to remind them of all these things. If you haven't noticed by now in our series of Joshua, the Old Testament is filled with recaps, reminders, retellings of all the things that God has done. And I've mentioned this before, but I think it bears repeating. The reason for that is because most of us, we forget things. We do. We tend to be forgetful. I read a story this week of a woman named Jill Price. And Jill has been diagnosed with something called hyperthymestic syndrome. Maybe I said that right. I don't know. But it's very rare, so I'm assuming no one will be able to correct me on that. What this syndrome is, is it means that Jill has this incredible recall of her own life. So she can remember with amazing accuracy everything that has happened to her since she turned 14 years old in the year 1980. She can tell you what day of the week it was and everything that she did and heard on that day. This is how she describes it. She says, my recall is so vivid and true to life that it's though I'm actually reliving the days for good or for bad. Now, since this syndrome is incredibly rare, I'm going to take a leap and assume that most of us don't have memories like Jill Price. That includes memories of what God has done in our lives and in the lives of his people. But let's be really honest. How many of us can remember all the stories that we read in the book of Joshua these past months together? You see, there's a reason, believers, that we need to read and reread and often bring to mind the things that God has done. Because if we don't, we'll forget. And God reminded Israel of all the things that he had done for them. And Christians, let's never forget all the things that God has done for us. Let's never forget that the moment we gave our lives to Jesus Christ, He forgave us of all our sin. All those wicked things that we had done, He washed away. In that moment, He adopted us into His family. We're no longer children of wrath, we're children of God. In that moment, the Spirit of God came to live within us, the guarantee of our salvation. In the moment we gave our lives to Jesus, we were justified in God's sight, made citizens of heaven, co-heirs with Christ, and we were given eternal life. Just as Israel stood in the promised land as recipients of God's grace, so too many of us here today stand as recipients of God's grace. I mean, where would Israel be without God? Where would they be? Without God, they would never have defeated enemies without number. They wouldn't have survived the wilderness. They wouldn't have escaped slavery. Without God, Israel would never have come to exist as a nation. 
They certainly wouldn't continue to exist today. I'm convinced of that. Where would we be without God? Where would we be? We'd still be lost. Slaves to sin. Children of the devil destined for wrath. So, never forget where you came from. If we do forget, then we'll forget where we need to go and the God who we need to follow. Just like Israel would. Joshua didn't want that for them. Let's look at verse 14. He said, Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So after being reminded of everything that God had done for them, Joshua says, now look, you pick who you want to follow. You follow God who, who made you a nation, who created you, sustained you, provided for you, fought for you, showered you with his grace, or, uh, or you can follow all these idols. The idols of your ancestors, or of Egypt, or here in this land of Canaan. You see, everyone, everyone worships something or someone. Well, not everyone's honest enough to admit it, but even self-proclaimed atheists worship idols. Uh, one pastor described idols this way. He said, whatever commands our allegiance and our sustained attention, that's our God. That's our idol. For most people today, the God or the idol that they worship is themselves. Others worship pleasure, sin, government, or false religions. In fact, it's said that mankind as a whole is incurably religious. You see, we were created to worship, so everybody worships something. And Joshua said, you pick. You can worship God or, or all these idols. <laughs> it should be an obvious choice, right? I mean, what, what had idols ever done for Israel? Idols had never answered their requests, never fought for them, never provided for them. Why would Israel choose idols? That was precisely the point Joshua was trying to make. This was about who they would follow, and it should be very, very clear to Israel. When they looked at where they had come from and everything God had done, this, this was an easy one. But they didn't always follow God. Even in this moment, Joshua clearly knew there was unfaithfulness present. He said, throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped. And look, I don't know about you, but at least in my life, it's easy when I'm reading the Bible to look at something like this and say to myself, how, how could Israel worship idols after everything that God had done for them? But Christians, can we each honestly say that we have never given an idol the attention that only God deserves in our lives? Or maybe I'm the only one who can relate to that sweet old hymn, Come Thou Fount, which says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. But Christians, why should we ever choose idols in this life? What have idols ever done for us? I mean, the choice should be pretty obvious, right? Then we come to those famous words of Joshua. He says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. 
when we moved into our house, Casey and I, we decorated, which means that Casey told me where to hang things up. Casey decorated our house. And in the entryway of our home, I hung up those words, because that's where Casey told me to put it. Those words, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Some of you might have that hanging up in your house. Very popular verse people have in their homes. But you see, that statement, it's more than just art. It's a truth that needs to sink deeply into our hearts. Joshua resolutely said to them, you pick who you're going to follow, I'm telling you, I'm going to follow God. Before anybody else, and regardless of what they chose, Joshua was going to follow God and lead his family to do the same thing. By the way, that's why we had a baby dedication this morning. Like Pastor Brandon pointed out, that's what it's all about. My wife and I are committing to following God and leading our kids to do the same, and we want we wanted to make that commitment before our church family so that you would pray for us, but also so that you'd hold us accountable. Because you see, if we go astray, our kids will go astray. Let's see what the people said to Joshua. Look at verse 16. It says, Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Who's the Lord our God Himself? Who, who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because He is our God. Joshua said to the people, you're not able to serve the Lord. He's a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, He will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after He's been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said, you're witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey Him. Now we're told after this that Joshua he made a covenant with the people. He recorded all these words, set up a monument. It's a little strange part of what we just read, isn't it? It's a little strange. Here Joshua is trying to get the people to commit to God, and when they do, Joshua says, mm, no, 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 you're, you're not able to serve the Lord. What's Joshua's deal? Rest assured, Joshua, he wanted the people to follow God. He did. But Joshua knew that there was a difference between following in the moment and following every day. You see, when Joshua spoke those words, that's for me and my household, that commitment he made, it wasn't some flimsy feeling that he had. He wasn't going to chase. Committing to following God every day. And he was trying to get the Israelites to realize that was the commitment they needed to make. To wake up every day and follow the one true God. This wasn't a time for, for half-hearted commitments and feel-good statements. It's not what this was about. This also wasn't just about who they were going to follow that day. It was about who they were going to follow every day moving forward. 
You see, Christians, it's good that we have given our lives to Jesus Christ, to be his followers, but every day we need to follow him. If we don't, we'll inevitably start following someone or something else. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 9. Jesus said this. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. You see, it's one thing to give our lives to Christ. That's the best decision we can ever make. But then every day, we must choose to follow him. If we don't, our hearts will start following someone or something else. Joshua knew that Israel was going to face something similar. As the chapter ends, we're told that Joshua, he, he died at the age of 110, not long after Eliezer, the priest, died. But a key verse as the book begins to close that I want us to see is this one. This is verse 31. It says this. It says, Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. Well, that sounds kind of nice, doesn't it? It's a nice statement to close the book. They, they served the Lord throughout his lifetime. But if you know the rest of the story, you know that sadly, that's as long as they served the Lord. These people who are adamant that they too, like Joshua, would serve God, they ultimately, ultimately failed. And I want to tell you why. You see, the book of Judges comes right after the book of Joshua, continues the narrative. The book of Judges adds some important details about what happened after Joshua and his generation died. It tells us this in Judges chapter 2. It says, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then... And the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the people around them. How could an entire generation grow up without knowing God and what he had done? See, that happens when the parents when the grandparents, when they don't pass down the truth of God to their descendants. The generation of Joshua, they may have served the Lord to a degree, but unlike Joshua, it wasn't true that they and their households served the Lord wholeheartedly. If that had been true, if that was a true commitment, well, then the nation wouldn't so quickly have deserted God when Joshua's generation passed away. In other words, they may have committed on that day to follow God, but it was a weak commitment. And weak commitments, they often fail. Church, when God's people commit to follow him just because it feels good in the moment, because other people are doing it, because it's an easy time in their life to do that, those are usually weak commitments that will at some point fail. Soon that failure can lead to following idols. The commitment that Joshua made to follow the Lord, it wasn't this one-time, in-the-moment decision. He was dedicating himself to following God each and every day. In fact, that was the only way that he'd be found living for God in a land where idols and sin surrounded him. And the same is true for us. We need to commit to following Jesus Christ each and every day. During his earthly ministry, Jesus told a parable, and the parable had a whole lot to do with, with money. And you know, money 
seems to be an idol in the lives of a lot of people. Money is certainly what many people have given their allegiance and sustained attention to. They chase it. They worship it. It means everything to them. So Jesus said this as the parable came to a close in Luke chapter 16. He said, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You see, the same is true with any idol. You cannot serve both God and fill in the blank with whatever idol it might be in your life or that this world worships. You can't serve both. You must choose one. My prayer is that we would all choose Jesus Christ. And I pray that every day, believers, we would wake up and choose to continue following and serving and worshiping Jesus and Jesus alone. Church, the truth this morning is this. If we choose to follow Jesus every day, then we will not go astray and follow after idols. There were a lot of idols that were trying to grab the attention of the Israelites. There are a lot of idols that will try and grab our attention in this life. But let's reject the cheap thrill and the temporary satisfaction that idols seem to promise. And instead, believers, let's follow the God who gives us all good things. As we prepare to close, have a final song of invitation, I want to encourage you, if Jesus Christ is your Savior, you've given your life to follow Him, I encourage you to examine your heart and your life. If you know that there is an idol you've set up in your life, you know that you're not following God wholeheartedly, I'd encourage you to confess that to the Lord. That you throw that idol far from you. Maybe you need to come and pray here at the altar and be surrounded by other believers. But church, we need to examine our hearts. Very easy for idols to slip in. But let's not live that way. Let's live every day for Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here and Jesus Christ isn't your Savior. You've never given your life to Him. And if that's true for you, friend, I don't know what you're following in this life. I don't know what or who you are worshiping. But understand, if you do not give your life to Jesus Christ, then when this life ends, you will be separated forever from Him in a place called hell. But please understand, it doesn't have to be that way. Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for your sins and mine. Three days later, he powerfully rose from the dead, proving he's exactly who he said he is. He's the Son of God, the only one who can save us. And he has been waiting your whole life to do that, to save you, to forgive you of all your sins, to give you eternal life. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Friend, if Jesus isn't your Savior, but you're ready to give your life to him, know that the moment you do that, he will forgive you. He'll adopt you into his family. He'll give you eternal life. You'll no longer be separated from God. And please understand that you can do that before you leave today. Let's pray together. If that's true for you, if Jesus is not your Savior, please understand no matter what you've been through or what you have done or what you're going through right now, Jesus Christ wants to save you. And you can go to Him right now wherever you're sitting and you can give your life to Jesus Christ. Go to Him in prayer. Admit to Him that you know that you're a sinner. But that you believe that He died on the cross for you and that He rose from the dead. Ask Him to forgive you. Give Him your life. And friend, I promise you on the authority of God's Word, Jesus will forgive you. He'll save you. And He'll give you eternal life. 
Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that if there is anyone here this morning who has never made that decision to follow Jesus, that today would be the day. That if they have questions, they would ask someone before they leave. That they wouldn't leave here continuing to follow after and worship themselves or any other idols in this life. And Father, I pray that for those of us who have given our lives to Jesus Christ, that we would live every day for Him. It's so easy, Father. It's so easy for these idols to come and we start to give them all of our attention and our allegiance. We push You to the side. Before we know it, that idol has become the biggest part of our lives. So open our eyes to the idols that we've let in. Help us to throw them far from us. Help us to repent of those things, return to You, and live for You each and every day. Teach us what it means to take up our cross daily and follow You so that we would be found living in a way that pleases You. Father, we love You. But every day that You care for our wayward hearts, You remind us that You love us so much more. And we thank You for that. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.